You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and Nick is taking photos. That's what I do. That's what you do. Remember, uh, no, 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 no. You have to announce it. Announce what? That I'm not. I'm not a regular member anymore. Oh, I am officially you're, a. Oh, your celebrity, celebrity co-host, <laughs> right? Nick Britsky <laughs> from Nick Drinks. I'm so happy to say that. <laughs> so excited. I'm glad that sponsorship dollars are really well spent here. <laughs> Um, we are joined by the head chef of Zingerman's Roadhouse, uh, Chef Bob Bennett. Bob, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. This is awesome to be here. It's it's uh, exciting to have you. Um, before we start talking about Zingerman's and Camp Bacon, let's talk about this delicious rum that you brought, Nick. This is um, – So this has not officially launched in Michigan. This, I think, launched – there's a party tomorrow – which I don't know if I can share the details, but there's an event tomorrow. So if you are invited, cool. Uh, it is called N- Novato. Nav- N- Nativo? Nativo, thank Nativo. you. <laughs> and they make three different varieties that are available in Michigan. I don't know if there's others, but it is a Panamanian rum. And there's a 15-year, a 20-year, and an overproof. And all of them are awesome. I got all three at the studio. Wow. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, this is um – Really easy to drink. Really mm-hmm. easy to drink. Uh, the other thing, you so you see this color. This is a pretty, pretty dark rum. No caramel coloring, no added sugar, no added nothing. And that's kind of what excites me is because rum is such wild west right now with rules. To have something that dark without alterations is pretty cool. So there's the wild rest, meaning you can do whatever you – doctorate however you want. Yeah, there's a lot of like stuff you can do with rum. I mean basically if it's made from some sort of sugar something, you're good. So I've heard that's going to change, but I don't know. EU's making some pushes, as, For, they, as they always do. We don't do it. The anything. EU does it? Well, the EU is talking about if there's sugar added that you have to disclose that. Okay. Because some of the big brands add sugar, like just to a finished product. <laughs> okay. that That's okay because it's distilled from sugar. Right. But it still tastes like booze. Right. So if they want to kind of cheat it. They can add sugar to the final product and basically make a liqueur. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And rum is notoriously inexpensive, right, for the most part? Well, yeah, because, I mean, most of them are made with molasses, which is kind of a cast-off product. Mm-hmm. And so you get that cheap and you turn it into rum and, you know, you're good. So Got it. Right. So with the rum, mm-hmm. we have biscuits. These are and, great biscuits. Yeah. So I, I, we I, try. <laughs> and um, so uh, last week, two weeks ago, I was at um, Zingerman's for Zingposium, which is their um, yearly uh, 
conference, and this year was on culture. Um, one of the evenings we were able, we were uh, lucky enough to go to the Roadhouse and have dinner, and um, these biscuits were part of the meal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the um, <clears throat> my requests when you guys came on was for you to bring biscuits. It was oh, I think my only request. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, oh, and also full disclosure. Um, I, I I mentioned Camp Bacon, and um, I was given a ticket to Camp Bacon on Friday. I'll be at the main event, um, which is exciting, and uh, potentially the Bacon Ball on Thursday night, just to get that out there. Um, but You're a shill, basically. I am a shill, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, I mean, but honestly, like outside the tickets, I would have just done the podcast for the biscuits. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not lying. We pay everyone in biscuits, so <laughs> it, it works out well. <laughs> um, so let's talk about these biscuits, because I feel like biscuits are one of those things that um, run the gamut from like, Hockey Incredibly, pucks. yeah, dry hockey pucks mm-hmm. to like, you know, like overly sweet. But these are perfect. I, so, I mean, I've been making biscuits probably for the last forever. Uh, so, I mean, most of my culinary career. So we make them at the roadhouse every single day by hand. Um, I, I love biscuits because like, it's, it's different things to different people, like depending on where you're from. Like, like my mom made biscuits this way or my mom made biscuits this way. So this is, this is the way we make biscuits. So it's kind of a cool thing for us. And an, I, I think like a handmade, uh, fresh biscuit right out of the oven is, is truly like one of the coolest things to have in a restaurant, especially like we do brunch and we do breakfast. So that's like our toast. So we put that on every plate. Um, but and it, it's cool. Like everyone makes it a little bit different, even like in the restaurant, like everyone's going off the same recipe, but everyone's like just this little unique little glimpses of what they might do different, um, just changes things up. So, I mean, I, I think biscuits are fun. Like it's, I mean, I, I like cornbread just as much, but like I'm definitely more of a biscuit person. And can you make biscuits with any type of machine process or are you? I, I, I'm sure you can. We, we but just, you're losing a lot of the... The feel and the... I, I think so. I mean, you lose a lot of feel. Then it turns into more of like a bread okay. than it does a biscuit, where mm-hmm. biscuits are like really fast formed and not truly worked, and there's not a lot of gluten. Like the gluten isn't formed very much in okay. them. I'm I'm such a biscuit dork. It's it's unbelievable. We we've had many baking dorks. Right? Yeah, I, 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 I want to go down this path. So what does that mean to you, being a biscuit dork? So, um, because again, these are really good. So I feel like we should. St- Go as deep as we want to go. Right, right, right. Um, so, so talk to me about the process of this. So, I mean, for us, the process is, I mean, there, there's not a lot of ingredients. It's what, four ingredients. It's butter, it's flour, salt, and baking powder. Um, a lot of people will say, like, your butter has to be cold. Ours, ours we like to have at room temperature. Mm-hmm. We think it works in better. Um, and I think it uh, adds more fluff to it than it does. I think if it's cold, you get more flakiness out of it. Um, I, I like the fluff in, in, in our biscuits. Um, and I, I think like being <laughs> for me, like being a biscuit dork is just like learning like about biscuits and like C- Carl, who was in your symposium, Carl Worley from Biscuit Love in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like we've had a lot of discussions about biscuits because his biscuits are a lot different than mine. Like he, he uses a little bit of yeast in his and um, this it's his mom's recipe. So, I mean, I, I totally get it, but th- that's a weird thing for me and biscuits, but I totally get it. His are delicious too, but it's just sort of like a different spectrum for me. Um, so, I mean, like I think understanding biscuits and kind of where they've come from and kind of that there are different ones out there is a, is a cool piece for me. And like, I mean, I, I don't know if mine are better than his, but I, I think each one has, is really great in their own kind of recipe. And, and are, I always think of biscuits as a breakfast thing. And then that just could be me, you know, right. northern boy. But um, it was – I, I don't necessarily see it at dinner. 
Right, right. So what are, what's kind of your take on that? I, I, well, I th- like I said, I love biscuits. So I, I think you could <laughs> eat them like like at any time. I okay. think like – I mean I, I grew up on like sausage and biscuits. Yep. Um, not not really at home, but like at Bob Evans is where mm-hmm. we where we go most mornings. So, getting uh, like the sunshine skillet or biscuits and gravy there, or at any greasy spoon I can come up against. Yep. Um, so I mean that was where it, where it started. But I mean I think biscuits as a table bread is is an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of sorghum or a little bit of butter, a little bit of honey. Um, I think if you get a nice savory gravy, like any like vegetable gravy, mushroom gravy on top, that make that's a meal. For me, so I mean, I, I think you could eat them anytime. We we do them for dessert too. We do. Uh, we had some fried biscuits at the symposium for you guys. Oh yeah, yep, I remember that. So th- those those <laughs> those are called that, uh, yeah. Hoosier biscuits. So you, you fry them and then you toss them in cinnamon and brown sugar, mm-hmm. and that's that's your dessert. So I mean, I I can make an argument for at any meal period, <laughs> any snack period, biscuits are the way to go. What the. You said mentioned that um, Carl from uh, Biscuit Love. Uh, mm-hmm. It's his mom's recipe. Yep. Um, one thing I say at Ackroyd's uh, is that we don't compete with mom or grandma or whatever family. Um, but biscuits are one of those things, and like for us, like shortbread or scones are one of those things mm-hmm. that like, oh, my mom made them better. It's, right. It's like I'm not trying to walk down that path with <laughs> no. you. Like I'm, I'm happy your moms are. And it's almost uncomfortable. People say these are better than my mom's. It's like I don't want to. Right. That is a hear tough that. one, right? <laughs> not everyone had a scra- Scottish grandmother either. No. Right. Right. So, you know, you're not baking for everyone. How many biscuits a day do you guys produce? We Well, it depends. So brunches on the weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, we probably make about, I would say, three to 400 a day. Uh, during the week, it's probably 150 or so. So we're, we're pushing not a terrible. pretty big number for a week. I, don't know, I mean, that's dozen or number? No, not total number. Yeah. Doesn't seem crazy. Yeah. 150? No, it's not too bad. <laughs> I mean, really? still. I mean, they're hand formed. I mean, I get it. <laughs> hand roll. I mean, it's a, it's a good number. It's not like twelve, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I, I I guess the, I guess the question becomes then is like out of and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but um, you, you have a certain amount of guests that come through in a day. How many of them? What's the percentage of them that order a biscuit, or do all of them get a biscuit on the table? Well, it, so like all all of our like breakfast entrees, like uh-huh. we 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 used to do like toast, and toast is so hard to do for people. I mean, like people have these like very it's it's kind of like their eggs; they're very specific in how they want it. So, and we love biscuits, and we really want to push that towards the forefront. So we started putting biscuits on each each breakfast plate. So, um, so I mean, everyone who orders like an omelet gets a biscuit, or orders corned beef hash will get a biscuit. So, I mean, most people get a biscuit. And then we also have people who just order biscuits. Have you have you gotten on the path of gluten free biscuits? No, no. Okay, <laughs> that that one's a. It's kind of a a portal. I don't really want to jump through. Okay, <laughs> is, because is, is it is it difficult to work with gluten free flours? It. I mean, it's a little bit tougher to do. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it. I I just think. I mean, it's not something like totally ruling out for the future, but. It's something that would be tough for us to do if I mean we are I mean we have a lot of gluten in our facility, um, and to be be able to do it do it well would be tough. Um, Does Zingerman as a company do anything in terms of bread gluten free or no? We, we we do some. the The bakehouse has a has a loaf that they make, and we we sell in the restaurant. Okay, um, as like our gluten free option. Corn we try bread. we try to be kind of as flexible with people as we can, but I mean at the same time it's super it's super tough to be like. Be like this is totally gluten free. Yeah, I mean, we d- definitely try to put that service out there as much as we can. You guys are a, you're, you're a fairly high volume restaurant, mm-hmm. right? You did you do about nine million dollars a year, right around there. So, 
I mean, that's essentially a million dollars a month. So what does that mean in terms of volume per day? Are you guys open seven days a week? Seven days a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Monday through Friday, and then we have brunch on the weekends and dinner. What's the average amount of turns per or, or amount of people th- per day that you guys see? Well, it's probably about, I would say, 600 to 800, depending on the day. That seems like a lot. It, it, it's a that good amount. Like a lot. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, we have a, we have a pretty, pretty decent sized restaurant, okay. so we see it about 200 and... Um, you, you get, I mean, much like anything else, like if you're lifting weights, you get used to kind of lifting that weight sure. after a while. So, I mean, we got pretty good at doing some bigger numbers and being able to do get pretty good at it. So, nice. And you've been at Zingerman's for how long? Uh, I've been, been at Zingerman's for about 17 years. I started the deli. Uh-huh. Um, I worked on the sandwich line there. Um, that was kind of like my first culinary experience. Uh-huh. And then Five from there, engagement. what's that? Five year engagement. Five year engagement, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, from there, when the Roadhouse opened, I, I jumped at that. I was I was probably like a semester away from a psychology degree at Eastern Michigan and decided like I was never going to use that. It actually, it's, it's coming quite handy working in restaurants. But so I, so I jumped at the opportunity to, to uh, open the Roadhouse and kind of work there. And it was kind of cool. Well, most like most restaurants, we got delayed in opening. So I got to be part of the painting crew. I painted a lot of the patio you guys sat at the other night. Uh-huh. Um, and then the grill station at the Roadhouse was my first restaurant station, and I just kind of worked up through there. Um, then I, I also, like, after year one, I left there and opened up uh, this place called Logan's, which is in Ann Arbor. It's a pretty nice restaurant. Um, and then came back through a, just out of some uh, scenarios and events that happened and um, got to be there, worked up through the supervisor, sous chef, to head chef, and here I am. Um so interestingly, I have a, I too have a psych degree and I'm also <laughs> in food. Um, so that, that it, and I agree with you, that does come in handy every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so the, you went to Logan's, you were at Logan's for how long? Uh, for about a year, a little bit over. And then you went, did you go directly back to Zingerman's after that? Or yeah. Did, okay. So what, what was the impetus to change that you went to Logan's and you went back to Zingerman's? Just to get, get some different experience. Okay. Um, it was, it was a kind of. A pretty um, it was opening a restaurant which I was super excited to do, and mm-hmm. then also to try to jump into middle management as a sous chef over there. Um, an opportunity I didn't have like right in front of me at Zingerman, so I kind of jumped at that and kind of it, it was cool to be able to see it from that that sort of engagement. It was also a smaller restaurant, a little bit more fine dining, which was something that that that's not totally different than what we do at the Roadhouse, but a, a little bit different. Did, so when the Roadhouse opened. Um, were they like as busy as they are now? Like immediately, was it was there that much of fanfare around it? Um, it well, I mean, it was busy because we we're going from like zero to a hundred, right? Um, so for for us, it felt super busy, but um, uh, compared to how it is now, not even it was it was probably I don't know a tenth of how busy we are now. Okay. Um, so we, we definitely grown over the years, but like from, from going from zero to a hundred, like it felt like we were going like a million miles per hour to start with. And I think that one of the things I've learned about Zingerman's, um, in the many classes I've taken there and, and, um, just frequenting the restaurants, um, you guys have, seems to have systems in place that are pretty well documented. Um, and at the beginning, you probably don't have those systems in place, right? Correct. Um, and so... Were you a part of building these systems? Well, I mean, I think 
everyone in the restaurant was a was kind of a piece in building those systems and kind of getting the recipes nailed down. I mean, it, it took us a while, like to get the fried chicken to where it is now, to to get the biscuits where we are. In fact, I think when we started, we weren't even really making biscuits. Um, so to kind of kind of build that in and build the systems around those, and I mean, we're we're. I look at us as like we're always growing and we're always finding new systems that like we didn't even think about yesterday. So it's it's always kind of a moving process for us, um, which is exciting for me because I, I, I like to see the growth of people and then like the growth of the business is equally exciting for me. And so l- let's shift for a second. Let's talk mm-hmm. let's talk about Camp Bacon. This is the 10th year of Camp yep. Bacon, right? Um, and you've been involved in some way or another for all 10 years? Just about, yeah. Okay. So l- let's – talk about what camp bacon is before we um move on to like the specifics of it can right I, can i have another biscuit before we talk about camp bacon? yeah yes. <laughs> thank you so so camp bacon um started um this is probably i'm trying to think probably like 12 or 13 years ago ari Winswick, who's our co-founder of zingerman's uh put out a book i think it was called the bacon book uh, but in it, he had a kind of like this vision of like a festival around bacon where kind of people like just sh- sharing their stories of bacon, sharing ideas around like raising a bacon. Um, and like most good visions, they became it became reality a couple of years later. Um, but um, it's our big kind of uh, thing that we do to support Southern Foodways, which I don't know if you guys know about Southern Foodways Alliance, but I'm I'm a member and I'm also a big fan of what they do. Um, it's kind of like. Everything starts around food. Food brings people to the table, and then from there, it's the conversations we have about the food. And I, I kind of look at, at Camp Bacon as our kind of like little little glimpse of what what Southern Food Waste does on a, on a bigger scale, where ba- everyone loves bacon, and bacon gets people to the table. And then the conversations we have, like around how people are raising raising their pigs, or how like different things are affecting society, or how people look at bacon, or how how we look at kind of the future of, of bacon and farming and, and food in general. I think all those good conversations come out of it, and I think it's a cool thing for, for me to be a part of and for a lot of people to be a part of. What are some, like, uh, meaty subjects that are, you know, deal with bacon right now? Like, things that, if you were to talk with, uh, you know, like the pork people, what would they be talking about with, uh, you know, bacon right now? Well, I, I think it's um, kind of like getting the story out there and getting – and talking about the work that goes in the bacon. Okay. It's because a lot of people don't understand like the, the amount of work that goes in to make that piece of bacon that someone has on their plate. Um, and I mean, I think that's the story for like all of like most restaurants and most food people, like c- telling people why, why something costs that belly much. once to kind of know the right? process. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's like, it's like telling people like this is how much work goes into it and this is why, why it does cost that much. And this is why we – like people like Alan Benton, who's coming to Camp Bacon this year, are so revered for the work they do, and like being able to put out this product year after year, day after day, which is so consistent, so great. Like people, like I, I love most of the bacon people that are going to be at festival this year, and um, being able to have that and such a consistent quality is like a big thing, and getting that story out there and why, why it does cost what it costs, I think is is a big deal. Um, and then also just kind of sharing and comparing stories is a big deal too. Why bacon costs what it costs? Yeah. Why? Well, like, I mean, why good bacon? Why costs, good bacon costs what, what it costs? costs? Because I feel like bacon, you're, you're up against the the like kind of commodity level mm-hmm. of like a dollar a pound bacon because right. that exists. <laughs> and you know, um, Benton and Newskis and uh, even like there, there's local uh, farm field table 
Um, th- they exist, you know, like these bacons exist at <clears throat> what, like eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, fifteen dollars a pound. And so there's this idea that, like, well, why am I pay? Why are they? Why are you paying fifteen dollars a pound? Well, I, I mean, I think it's for. I mean, it all it all starts with the hog and how it's raised and where it's coming from and what how is the farmer treating it and is it free range or is it in a cage or I mean I think there's so many different aspects. Heritage. Yeah, heritage is a big deal. Um, and then there from there it's how it's treated. Like, is there is there is it getting injected? Is it is it getting hung for forty days? How is it getting smoked? How is it getting salted? I think those are all big pieces that go into it. Um, that not a lot of people think about. And how do you go up against the, the the kind of paradigm of like bacon and eggs being an everyday thing of like this breakfast and like right? <laughs> because I, I mean, you know, at fifteen dollars a pound, and believe me, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Nooskis. I'm a hu- and and I don't eat bacon and eggs every day. I have right. no desire to. It's, it's <laughs> maybe a once a month thing for me, if that. For sure. Um, but there are people that expect to eat cheaply. Right. You know, every day. How do you explain to them like you should be eating? You know, how, how do you change that paradigm? I I don't know. I I think just kind of getting the information out there, and kind of giving giving people the opportunity to kind of make their choices and be educated about it. Um, I I don't know how to change people's mind. If I did, I'd <laughs> I would be probably be in a dis- different business. True. But, right. Um. I mean, I think giving them as much information and kind of telling the story of how how things get to the plate is is a big deal. And I think that through that, I mean, th- that's where maybe we make the steps to kind of getting people a better understanding around food and where it comes from and making moves like that. I, I mean, you guys do that at the Roadhouse to some extent with mm-hmm. with your menu. Yep. I, I think that you guys your menus. Your menu tells a story. I think of every dish. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think every single dish there's a li- at least a little bit of some writing that there goes is. on there. <laughs> there. There is a little bit. I mean, and we try to. I mean, outside of that, like, well, we do try to put as much information on the menu as we can. But outside of that, we try to train our servers and teach them, like, through food classes and through a, a lot of different orientation classes, just kind of like what the food is and giving them some stories around it and. Um, cause I mean, they're, they're not my stories. They're like everyone's stories. So trying to share that with the people, um, I think is a big deal and kind of just giving them information so that they can make it entertaining for the guests when they come in and make it an experience for them. Like, oh, this is this whole hog barbecue that's right out here on this pit. It's super great. We learned it through Ed Mitchell. Like all, all the different pieces of it, I think add up to kind of building to what that person's eating. Cause it's, it's not. I mean, I think it, food's changed to not being just something on a plate, and it's it's the story behind it a bit. Why does thick cut bacon cost more than thin cut bacon? Is the machine more expensive? <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I was I was at the grocery store this weekend, and I'm like, I don't get it. It's less work, isn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I think in general, though, when you're in the when you're looking in the butcher case, the, the, it tends the, to be the premium brands. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so th- this so this event this is a tenth year of camp bacon. Like, yep. how has it grown? Well, I think. Well, I think year one it was in the back parking lot behind the bakehouse, <laughs> if if I if I recall correctly, and then we moved it to the uh, patio at the roadhouse. It was about 
we we didn't have any fans out there, and I think it was probably like 105 that day. Oh. So the people were actually cooking like bacon. <laughs> um, and then we moved out to the farm after that. So I mean, it started off really small. I think maybe we probably had maybe 30 or 40 people the first year. Second year was maybe 50. Um, I think we're we're up towards like 100 is what we're looking at this year. And this is a multi day event, right? Yeah, it's a multi-day event. So um, we started off on Wednesday. We do a uh, pot liquor film festival uh, where we show – I think this year we're showing like four different um, films from the Southern Foodways Alliance. Um, some of them are first time you're seeing them. Um, John T. Edge, who's the uh, director of the Southern Foodways Alliance, also an author and just a general awesome person, is going to be there and he's going to be telling some stories too. Um, and then when we always have the bacon ball on the Thursday – um, this year we have Tony Fiaschi from uh, Anduya Artisans and Tempesta Market in uh, Chicago. We call it the so Sausage King. But. Let's talk about Anduya for a second. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. is Anduya? So Anduya, I, I think like the best way to describe it is kind of like pork butter. So it's spicy pork butter. Yeah, spicy pork butter. So it's um, so it's Calabrian chilies. It's 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 a pork sausage technically, but the fat I think is I don't know if it's fifty to fifty or sixty to forty. It, it's a definitely a high fat content. Sixty forty uh, fat. Yeah, it's it's got a good good amount of fat. It's it's almost that's why I'm saying it's almost like butter. Um, we we've been using it. We do a andouille mussels, so just like classically cooked mu- mussels, and we toss a bunch of andouille in it. It's pretty awesome. Um, it's one of my favorite products. I have probably a, a bunch, a couple logs at home, just in my freezer for when I need them. <laughs> I have a log at home too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and the, it melts. The anduja melts in the muscle yeah. so it's hot. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, it's um, it's fat. I mean, yeah. it's it's like a, it's like pork butter almost. Yeah, you know? and yep. you can also spread it on bread. And, yeah, yeah, it's we, last couple of weeks we've been doing a, a whipped anduja on a, a bruschetta, which has been pretty awesome. It's you could really pretty much put it in anything. It's gonna be great. So he's at Bacon Ball. And, yep. So we're progress. gonna be cooking with him at the restaurant Thursday night, um, and then the main event is on Friday night or on Friday during the day, um, and that's gonna be it's like a, a a trial of bacon all through the day, and then a bunch of speakers talking. Um, that's gonna be pretty great. Um, and then Sunday we have the street festival, which is a, a bunch of vendors coming out, um, uh, a lot of different sausage makers and meat makers, um, bunch of, and then just kind of sampling stuff and. We take over the uh, farmer's market down by the uh, deli, which is pretty cool. In, uh, in Carytown? In Carytown, yep. 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 Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that, that's pretty much the gist of it. There's a couple other little events here and there. There's um, a brunch, right? Uh, th- there is a brunch. Well, I, I think they we went without the brunch this year. Oh, okay. Um, but we're looking to make a strong comeback with it next year. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, and then it's just uh, all, all the different businesses. I think there's a couple different cooking classes with bacon at the uh, Bake School, which is associated with the Bakehouse. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah, bacon with bacon, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it made so much sense. <laughs> hey, How could there not be a class? <laughs> that's what it's called. I'm, just, I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm just dreaming of, like, a farmer's market that's basically all pork products. Right. Yeah, yep. I mean, that sounds amazing. And it's yeah. gonna be, it is a lot of fun. I, I take my, my little – I have a little six-and-a-half-year-old Lucas mm-hmm. at home, and I take him down to it. Me and my wife go down there. It's a lot of fun just to visit people. Oh, I mean, because once you, like, kind of get involved with this, like, the people that keep on coming are kind of like family. So it's kind of a reunion mm-hmm. of sorts. The, the, uh, the main event on, on uh, Friday, um, if I know Zingerman's events, there's going to be bacon from – Sun up to sundown. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, okay. I, I think we probably have nine to ten different bacons. Plus, uh, some of the speakers are doing demos, and 
we're gonna do we're doing a uh, hung, Hungarian uh, bacon cookout. So it's basically like fatty bacon cooked over oak. So it's based. Think of like s'mores, but uh-huh. with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys are a pretty progressive company. I have to imagine there's defibrillators near. <laughs> <laughs> we can get a couple on hand just in case. Um, but yeah, so this is like a classic Hungarian thing. Um, Gabor, who's who's speaking at the event. I, I can't remember his last name. Um, but like, it's basically pork belly on, on a stick over fire, and they have an onion on the end. You put it on a piece of white bread. And there's like different condiments, but like that's the gist of it. So wow. he's going to demo that, and we're going to cook up a bunch of it. How long would you cook it? I feel like you need to cook it for a little bit, right? Yeah, it, it's over a low flame, so it's like probably oh, yeah. like 20 to 40 minutes okay. is how you cook it. Okay. We're going to do some restaurant magic on it to make it a little bit quicker, but nice. it's going to be pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, so this is something that people return to year after year. Is that what you mentioned before? Yeah, we have a bunch of people that kind of come over, come year after year, and like a lot of vendors who like keep on coming back because it's – it's a cool event for them to be at to meet other vendors and then just to meet different people. Um, but yeah, we have a lot. We have a pretty strong following at Zingerman, so like people who get excited about it and like be like, "Oh!" I, and since it keeps on evolving and changing a little bit, so it's kind of like a new event every year. So we do get a good amount of repeat business from it. And, and so I want to talk about like this the planning that goes into it. So the the basis is bacon, mm-hmm. and bacon itself doesn't change all that much from right. year to year. <laughs> How do you how do you change an event that is focused primarily on bacon for ten years and ongoing? Right. Well, I mean, I think it's just, it's the people, the people that are excited about it, who, people who come to speak at it, um, the people that come on and do these special dinners. Like we have had everything from country ham to I think last year we had uh, Rick Bayless did the uh, bacon ball uh-huh. to I mean so I mean like I think like bacon and like the the idea of pork as a food is there's there's so many different avenues that it goes down that it reaches so many different people. So I mean I think that that in itself gives us the ability to kind of keeping it fresh and keeping it changing up and and just uh, through, through the people that we meet through the year um, who are excited to kind of come out and just talk. I mean it, it, they're all passionate people who are passionate about bacon and other pork related products. I mean so. I mean, I think that that in itself is kind of things that are helping us to keep it fresh every year. And we we I mean, as soon as it ends, there's there's a group at Zingerman's called Bacon Bits that they immediately start planning the next year. So they're called Bacon Bits. Yeah, that's the name. That's the name of the email group. Um, it's called the Bacon Bits. So yeah, yeah, we're we're crazy about bacon. <laughs> and, and is there a around the U.S. or world? Is there a similar? festival or anything or is this kind of a unique thing i i think it's a kind of a unique thing um as far as bacon comes i mean i I would i would imagine like other food festivals um might be close to this um but i think like a a lot of it might be modeled around so southern foodways alliance does a fall symposium Mm -hmm. where they have like they have a topic and they have speakers come that are super knowledgeable about what they're talking about and kind of and there's there's always food around, and it's kind of like a bit like they bring have big names coming for like the lunch and for the dinner. So I mean, I think it's somewhat based on that, where we're trying to kind of inform people, and it's not just like like oh, here's a buffet of food, right, just go right. ahead and eat this. But there's actual conversations mm-hmm. being had. So I think maybe that's part of the kind of base work that went into it. And then, but 
I, as far as like being a bacon festival, I don't think there's anything like it. Yeah, I think it's important to, to mention that there is a bacon fest in Chicago. There's a bacon bash, I think, around Metro Detroit. Um, but but those are more focused on food, gluttonous Shut kind right. of yeah. <laughs> eat as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversations, sadly, are minimal. Because you know, there's usually a and nothing against these events, but there's a band. There, there's uh, right. you know, you, you, you sometimes an open bar, um, and these aren't events to actually have discussions about the production mm-hmm. of food and how food's being sold and how stories are being told. And that's right. the trouble I think with a, a lot of people is they don't care, they just kind of eat it and they enjoy it and they move on. And right. so I think that <laughs> the people that you can educate and share that message. All the better. They know where their food's coming from. That's right. kind of a Zingerman's thing. Yeah. So we we definitely try to keep people informed and yeah. kind of we we think it's part of the experience for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, telling the story is a big deal right. for us. Do, does bacon does can't bacon color the menu at all afterwards of the Roadhouse or of any Zingerman's properties or is that something that maybe throughout the year or you move towards it? I don't know. Well, I think for for me as as a chef and like the as a kind of sponsor of the Roadhouse, like I mean, I think getting to meet new vendors and trying different things. I mean, th- there are people like like Tony Fiaschi who like when we met him and brought an Anduya into the restaurant. Like, I mean, I don't think it's ever leaving the restaurant now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- those are those are cool re- relationships to build and. Um, and then these are just different people that I can kind of rely on down the line. But I, I don't know if it totally like, like as soon as Camp Bacon's done, be like, oh, we're changing everything, right? Kind of kind of thing. So, but there's definitely gives us opportunities to bring new products on, which is pretty exciting. And, and so, ha- having a high volume restaurant like you do, can you like essentially like? When you talk to someone like Tony, for example, was he able to supply you immediately, or does he have to build up inventory to supply you guys, or is it like? Well, I mean, I th- I think, well, I I think they they do a really good job already. I mean, they were pretty big, or pretty pretty big when we when we met them a couple uh-huh. years ago, and I mean, and, and they had s- a kind of a, a setup for it. So I mean, that was that was a pretty easy one to kind of supply us with whatever we needed. I mean, and they got middle people that they go through. So, I mean, it, it's totally easy for us. Kind of like Haggis. Well, w- w- <laughs> w- one of the reasons I ask is because uh, we are looking, we are actively looking for people to supply us a pea meal bacon and back right. bacon. And when I say my supply needs, people back away immediately. <laughs> right. And um, and I wonder, like, you know, if you're like, oh, I need this much Induya or this much, you know, this much of X product, um, if a supplier can just, I, I can't handle that. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of times for us, like if someone can't handle it, and it's a, it's a really good product, we're super excited about getting it. Mm-hmm. We'll just take what we can get. Uh-huh. I mean, I think, and then maybe that that allows them to kind of build up. If if if, if we feel really good about them and we believe in what they're what they're putting on the plate, I mean, I, I'm willing to take that chance to kind of like I have farmers where like they give me like. A bushel of asparagus at a time, or something, and it doesn't last a long time. But I, I, I feel I look at it as kind of like a investment a little bit. So I mean, I think that's a piece of it. Um, but like with with Anduya, like that one was already kind of it was, blowing up a bit. So I, I have the sense that um, you know when you say that a farmer gives you uh, a bushel of asparagus, or uh, 
when you taste something you really enjoy and you tell the the person producing it that you really enjoy it, is there ever a sense that the person producing it's like I, I don't I I never thought it was that good? Like I like I appreciate that, but well, I mean, it it depends on kind of how like if it's like someone just starting off, they're like, oh, thank you, I didn't I I had no idea. I've just kind of do do my best to kind of do what I can. Uh-huh. So I mean that that's a cool thing to be able like no, it's actually really good, and I really appreciate that. Um, but I, I don't think it's where they're, um, but I think they're always appreciative of it. And I think that's a cool thing for me to be able to provide in a lot of instances. Yeah. I, Cause I think you can, I mean, at some point and maybe you, I don't know if you think this or not, but you could make or break a business, right? You could easily like pr- order enough of a product to really give someone a boost, right? Right, right. Yeah, that, that's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally is. <laughs> and, and so, like, and I want to come back to these biscuits again. So, at, with these biscuits, like, you know, you know they're good. Mm-hmm. At what point did you know they're good? Um, I, I mean, immediately, like, you, you know, like, because we, we'll taste things, like, like right, research right. and development. Like, at what point are you like, these are the ones we're taking to the, going to the table with? Well, I mean, I think just through, like, tasting them, I don't know, I, I, I like I, I try not to make things I don't feel good about. So, I mean, like for for me, like I felt like the recipe was good and the way we we're making them was good, and so I, I felt good about them. And like then people wrote, told me, like, oh well, these are really good, and so that I even felt a little bit better about them. But like I mean, I felt good from 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 the beginning. Like I try to not try not do things I I don't feel good about. So, um, I I I my my heart was in it. So and biscuits have I've been making them for years. So. It was it was always something I felt good about, and like people, the compliments are are great, but I wasn't like expecting them more. Or I, I didn't need them to kind of validate like in my biscuit, so kind of thing. Um, but yeah, because I, I get this sense that uh, I get the question a lot. You know, um, working in food service, it's like, what's good, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, if it's on the menu, we stand behind it. Right? right, like how do you navigate that question? Like, uh, like when someone asks you, like, what's good on your menu? Well, what what do you tell them? Well, <laughs> I, I I tell them it's like picking out one of my babies. <laughs> no, I I think like if it's on the menu, it's gonna be really good. But I, I I mean, I think I just go to like things that I'm excited about. Like, I'm I'm super excited about the whole hog barbecue that we do because I mean that's it's such a process and like not. I think the last number I heard, like maybe there's 12 to 14 people that do it in the United States, or at least do it well to get recognition. Um, so talk about it. What what it, what is it? So whole hog barbecue. So I mean, like Eastern North Carolina style barbecue. Um, uh, we earned, learned it from Ed Mitchell out uh-huh. of. He was out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. He came up and kind of helped us set up our pits. Um, first night we opened, we actually rolled the whole hog through the dining room, <laughs> slapped it on the butt because that that <laughs> that's apparently what you do. Um, for good luck and, and fired it on the pit, but we've, we've been firing them probably four or five whole hogs a week since then. Wow. Um, wow. which, which is a pretty cool thing. So, and it's ours, right? It's ours. So ours, ours cook for about 18 hours. Um, we start them at four o'clock in the afternoon. They're done about 8 a.m. the next morning. But they're uh, not like, that's not a hundred percent being watched, right? That's no, a little no. set and forget. Little, oh, a little? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, so so we fire it and then we we check it again at the end of the night and then we check it again in the morning. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's basically like the closest thing to like comfy pork um, is what 
I think that's uh, what's what I've heard kind of des- described as because it kind of bakes in its own. Yeah, so it's in its own skin. It's mm-hmm. all the pieces of the meat. Um, so all the fat is just sitting in there cooking the pork. Um, and then you also got the smoke. So we use oak, which is all is pretty predominant in Michigan. Um, there's a little bit of cherry. Um, we've been getting it from the same guy out in Dexter, Michigan, for since we opened. Um, and then it's just over 18, hour, 18 hours on the pit, and then it gets pulled off, chopped, and then we add vinegar barbecue, which is mm-hmm. – um, I don't know if you've had it on pork, but it's it's delicious. I think it the the brightness it adds mm-hmm. to it and a little bit of spice is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I eat a lot of pork, so <laughs> especially this pork, and it, it's my favorite. Um, but I, I think that that's a cool thing. I mean, not everyone does it. It's it's an undertaking. Like you commit to, to having that on the table. Yeah. Um, do you do anything special with the head or is that just kind of part of the, we we barbecue the head too. Okay. I, one of the, one of the first pieces of pork I've had off a whole hog was the cheeks. And like, after that I was sold. I'm like, all right, this is it. You're right. Yep. Um, so yeah, that goes in it too. It it, like literally the whole hog. (laughs) So when you, can you order it? You're like, Hey, I want to like, how do you order it? Is it well, just kind of what we we do? We have like a barbecue pork entree where it's like pork, mashed potatoes, okay. and braised greens, which are pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also do like pork sandwiches. But you're we, not calling a part of the pork. No, okay. no. That well, because we we mix it all together. I think sure. that's that's one of the beauty of the whole hog is that in one bite you can get shoulder, mm-hmm. butt, um, some of the uh, pork belly, a little bit of the cheek. Okay. I think I think it all. If there's no mix, I, I think it's a lot different product than what we get. Is it, do you use the ears and snout too? Uh, the ears and snouts are in there, but we don't necessarily like chop them and mix them in with the pork at all. Okay, yeah. So you you this was something you opened with. This is something we opened with. So at the time, so that was with 15 years ago. You said so that was pretty progressive to be using the whole animal at the time, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So what what made you use the whole animal at that time? Uh, I'm not really sure what kind of, what, what brought us to that. I think it was just... Someone forgot their knife. Someone <laughs> forgot their knife. We didn't know how to cut it up. And we just threw it out there. It was a happy accident. No, I, I think, I think through just kind of looking at like, um, a lot of our menu is kind of based on like the Southern foodways, um, looking at like the different barbecue techniques that you get out of the South and just being drawn to the whole hog. Cause it is so, so different than a lot, what a lot of people did, especially at, 15 years ago like there wasn't a barbecue wasn't as predominant in in michigan definitely not in ann arbor as it is now now there's at least four or five different places in ann arbor so i mean having something unique like that where you're taking a whole i don't know like 190 pound hog and throw it on a pit for 18 hours is such a like differentiator for us we i think we just thought it was a cool thing and then being able to kind of as this plate for different like barbecue sauces, like so we brought in like uh, South Carolina mustard barbecue, which no one was doing really, and then our tomato barbecue is really awesome. Um, so I mean, I I think it was just something that it felt like a good thing to do. And so with that, like you've had this on the menu for fifteen years, mm-hmm. it's still on the menu. What what other items are, are mainstays on the menu? Are there any other ones? There's a lot. Really? <laughs> no, it, it's interesting. So we have a we have a uh, frame of our opening menu downstairs uh-huh. to be able to match up the ones that are still on the menu are pretty interesting. So like I mean we do spare ribs out on our our big smoker and we do um, pit smoked chicken, um, fried chicken was on day one. 
Um, there's some of the salads. So, I mean, I would say probably 60 to 70% of the, of the menu is, is from, from some of the day one stuff. Wow. And as a chef, does that, do you feel like that kind of quashes your creativity sometimes? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Cause I mean, I think, well, there's the mainstay stuff like where we, where, that are like our, our bread and butter. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've had since day one, people keep on coming back for. But there's also people who come in every day and they're looking for something new. So I mean, there there's polls for both. I think, um, and we're I mean we're we're in a spot where we're excited to give it to them. So being able to have something something local that we don't have on year round and be able to produce that and put it on the menu for people to enjoy is super awesome. And then also being able to rely on our mainstays, which we do really well, is also a, a cool a cool thing for us to be able to kind of kind of go back to day after day have we talked to uh, james beard at all no do we want to <laughs> yeah we can go well you, <laughs> you guys were nominated for uh semifinalists Sir, right yeah. yeah semifinals for service right finalists 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 okay finalists all right yeah, we, we got to go to the show this year it was kind of oh, yeah. cool did you so did you go we, we we did go yeah we, we brought a it was probably six to eight of us that went went down there and Kind of got to got to see the whole thing and go to all the little after parties and pre parties. It was pretty crazy, uh-huh. but it, it was a lot of fun. Got to meet a, a lot of cool people and kind of connect. And I, I was so like from like watching like Emmy shows and different shows on TV. Like I, I didn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is gonna be this will be a long series because it was like three or four hours. But like you get into it and it was it was super inspiring for me. Like to be able to see. Like these these food people who look just like me and work in restaurants that are a lot like what what I work in, um, who are so gracious and so excited to be there. Um, it was it was super cool and like just to kind of hear stories about how how they got there and kind of trials and tribulations and like it, I, I came away like like I'm getting goosebumps right now but <laughs> but like it, it just felt really good for me to like be like yeah I am part of this community and. Feel feel good about that instead of where where on the opposite it could have been like well these are people that are very different than me and like I'm never going to be that but yeah, it, and like I you know like the, the not taking the award home or something like that and being really upset about it I, I was I, I was upset for like maybe like thirty seconds well I mean like it 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 was really cool to be nominated and yeah. like if we would have won it would have been it would have been ridiculous and awesome but. Like at the same time, like I get to be there among people. I mean, the people I work with uh, on a day to day, and it and something maybe we maybe we get back to, maybe we don't. It, it doesn't really matter, but we got to enjoy the moment and have a lot of fun and meet meet some cool people. So, I mean, like if we would have won, that would have been great. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's it's experiences and the people you get to meet. So I mean, you made it to the last the finals is what five other. Four or five other names, right? Yeah, last five. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, I think we we looked it up. Maybe there's like six hundred thousand restaurants in the U.S. Wow. that were that were up for it. So I mean, like, I mean, that's that's a big deal. I mean, that's an honor in itself. So the the service category that's nationwide. Nationwide. Yep. Oh, okay. Because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of regionality. There, there are a lot of regions and like okay. the top in the chef awards and stuff like that. But uh-huh. that that one's the whole nation. Wow. Yeah. So because we had a decent posse that we sent, right? So we sent Sister Pie. Sister Pie was there, yep. And I know like a couple of the Lady House people went, yep. I think. Did Ping go? I saw, I saw Ping, and okay. I think Sarah was there too. Okay. So that's but, a good little posse. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, 
<laughs> I was I was talking with Lisa from Sister Pie. I was like, it was funny that we had to go to Chicago to meet some Detroit people. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what the? So there's six hundred thousand restaurants. You got on the last five. It, it's really fascinating to me that there's like this little bit of something extra that put the person that won. <laughs> Right. Over the top. Like, how do you even, like, being the last five is so amazing. Right. It's such an incredible honor. Um, and, and, like, it's like, when you guys go back, do you, do you, you just keep doing what we're doing? Like, I mean, you guys are, you guys are very much of the belief of, like, let's improve. Right. How can we improve ourselves? But you're not like, well, how can we improve to win a James Beard Award, right? No, no, yeah. not not even a little bit. Like, I mean, well, I mean, we're, we're, we feel really good about what we do day to day to day. So, I mean, we want to improve on like the moments where we kind of fall down a little bit. But I mean, outside of like, oh, you know, if we really did this, that that's the thing. Like, I, I think we're we're already doing the thing that I mean, we we feel I, like I, I feel good about every day, like going home and falling asleep because I, I know that what what we do on a day to day is really awesome. So, but I think it's important to to re- recognize that even through all the success, that there there are failures that happen, and they happen every day. Yeah. Like <laughs> on, a, on a small level, on, on a but I don't think we focus enough. Like all the all the focus, especially like in the age of social media, is like oh everything's very successful. You know, here's what I did. This is what I did great today. But we, we rarely ever focus on the little the little bits that like we need to improve on. Right. You know, and of course, like six hundred thousand down to five, and you're, mm-hmm. that's a huge honor. But there's like okay, so what can we do to improve? And you and you sit back and it's like not to improve for James Beard. How can we improve for ourselves? And it's it's a hard thing to look at because once you reach that point where you guys are at, it's like we're we're really good, but and that but is the right. is the the space for improvement, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think any any restaurant who thinks like they're they're are maybe. <laughs> Not looking at uh, themselves in in the right light. I mean, I, I think like on a day to day, like there's always spots for us to do better. I mean, and like, well, I think Alex, who was one of our our chefs years ago, used to say we're only as good as our nuts burger. So I mean, I, it's like the same idea. Like you're only as good as your nuts plate. I mean, like it, it's weird because like <laughs> like the restaurants and cooking, like there's there's always a nuts at bat. And every, everyone's looking for a home run, so you always have to kind of bring put your best foot forward and and keep on pushing pushing for greatness. Um, so I mean, I, I don't think we'll, we'll ever stop pushing for greatness or ever tr- stop trying to improve. So it, it's always, I mean, if you, if you're looking at like we look at it like day by day and how how we can do a little bit better and always pushing each other and having good conversations around it when we don't. You know, the ones on Kitchen Nightmare aren't the ones that have like a list of improvements. They're the ones that say they're perfect. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's, act, that's part of Kitchen Nightmares. You have right. to think you're doing everything right, <laughs> even though you have rotting produce in the walk-in. <laughs> um, so, what, okay, so again, like going back to the 15-year thing and th- this kind of uh, progression, uh, one of the things that's progressed throughout those 15 years is uh, is Yelp and, and, the, and Google reviews and, mm-hmm. and the act the active social media is there any type do you read those reviews i I don't good okay (laughs) um and and do they ever get brought to your attention even if you try to ignore them (laughs) well i mean i I think when there when there's an opportunity for us to kind of make something right for someone Uh i think then then it's kind of brought to to our attention like this person had a bad experience and 
and there, there's something we can do to kind of hopefully turn them around or at least kind of put kind of do our best to make it right for them whether they come back in the restaurant or not just so we can feel like we've we followed through on our end of service um, I think at that those times but I mean there's ones like oh these guys just aren't great right so I mean there's not there's not a whole lot we can <laughs> do for that um, so I mean I think when it makes sense we kind of kind of pull those ones back but I, I, on the most like we don't I don't really read a whole lot into them Anything from like a college town that might be different from other restaurants? There's more college kids. Okay, that um, makes sense. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean it, you you get used to the university and the kind of ebbs and flows of it. Um, which, I mean, I I think being in a college town, like I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Okay. Like a, a I love Ann Arbor and the energy around it, and just I don't know, it has it has a little bit of big city to it, mm-hmm. but but not it's enough a good where yeah. But but also a little bit of small town. Yep. Um, and then kind of the college and the football games and the ebb and flows of students coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a pretty cool thing where you get to kind of on someone's first day of school feel, feed them a meal and then through their whole time there yep. and then on their graduation day feed them and their family a meal. And then hopefully if we're lucky feed their family meals after that. Um, I think it's a cool progression for us and for myself. I think it's it's very inspiring for me. So let's go back to Camp Bacon for a little bit, and let's uh, we'll, we'll finish with that. Um, so uh, this is the uh, the tenth year. Is there anything huge planned for the tenth anniversary that you can? That's not going to be a surprise. Um, ooh, that's a good one. Um, I, I think there's a lot of cool things. I think we, uh, having John T. Edge here this year. And with this being such a big kind of support for the Southern Foodways Alliance and what they do, um, I mean, that's that's like my 10th anniversary surprise. But um, having him here and being able to hear him speak is, is a cool piece of it. Uh-huh. Um, also having Alan Benton here, um, like I, I don't. If people know about bacon, he's he's a legend in that world. Yeah, and let's talk about Benton's bacon for a second because I don't know. We, we've never talked about it on the podcast okay. here, so let's talk about that. So why is Benton's bacon so special to you? Uh, to, to me, I mean, I think uh, – well, Alan is is like a salt-of-this-earth kind of guy, like uh-huh. super nice um, and just, just a good person. And I think it shows through his food like he just makes – he makes what he needs to make, like to kind of support himself and support his family. Um, and then the food he puts out is just is such consistency and top notch. And the smoke that he, you get off of his bacon is like it, it scares some people away because it's so smoky. But I, I enjoy the heck out of it uh, for the most part. Um, but I mean, and it's just a treat to have his food in the restaurant. So if this podcast goes up Thursday, if we're lucky. There's events that start on Thursday. Are people okay to buy tickets day of? Um, it's it's gonna be a little tight. I think okay. we're because the the well the event at the Roadhouse is the Bacon Ball, and I think we're pretty much at capacity for that one. Even if you're listening live, okay. So yeah. Um, but uh, we we might be able to squeeze some people in. I won't say never. Um, so call call you or call yeah, the yeah Roadhouse. Call the Roadhouse, okay. or I think there's the uh, there's probably an events number on the uh, Zingerman's community page. Um, but so, I mean, and I think there's probably still some room at the main event. Um, definitely, obviously the, the street fair is open to all. So great. But yeah. And, and the street fair runs from what time to what time? Ooh, I, 
I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think if we looked at the uh, campbacon.com. Campbacon.com. We should be able to, people will be able to check it out and see. I, I think it's probably from like 10 until 1, but I'm not positive. Okay. And then in terms of social media, is there any hashtag or something that people should follow if they want to follow along from home? I think it's hash, hashtag campbacon2019. Okay. Possibly. And, ah, so, so we, it's, we have. So uh, it's zingermanscampbacon.com. So that's the website, and in the media. So I like the anything. bacon for the brain, belly, and soul. Okay. Right. I like that. <laughs> so this is a, yeah, you can bacon. You can think about bacon. You can eat and bacon. You can feel good about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's that's awesome. Cool. Um, and, and I feel like. I mean, let's go back to Benton's for a second because I, I you, you, <laughs> back to Benton's. Yeah, let's go back. To I, I mean, because it's a good spot to because go back it's to. not something you can get in grocery stores. No, um, it's not. not. Not to my knowledge, um, because I, I feel like Newskis is. Uh, there was a time where I would confuse the two, um, right? You know, and um, Newskis is pretty widely available. Benton's, you, I think you have to order. Yep. Okay. I, I think it's it's all ordering over the telephone. I don't I don't know if they have like an online system set up. They they might, but that, that's old school. Yeah. I mean that that was that was accurate like six yeah. years ago. Like we were still right. like, taking orders over the phone, and oh yeah, we'll write down your credit card number. Like yeah, that was yeah, I know yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe Benton's doing the same, or maybe they're typing into a POS at this right. point. But um, yeah, and that there's something like so endearing about that. Like but, it's not even like mm-hmm. I, I I'm not going to even like you know the security issues. I don't I don't care about security issues. Like whatever my information. You don't need money. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try try to clear out my bank account. Um, but, uh, no, but it's like, but there's not enough of those businesses around. Right. No, I, I mean, it takes you back to a, a different time for sure. And kind of, I mean, it, it feels comfortable to me. I mean, like, even though I know that like taking down someone's credit card number is a little weird, but <laughs> well, but I mean, like there, there's certain people like I wouldn't bat an eye about doing that so, with them so once you well, get the bacon in hand like it doesn't matter anymore yeah, i'm right. the thing is if they have you know twelve thousand handwritten credit cards you're just one in the pile <laughs> so what are the odds the, the likelihood of your your information getting stolen <laughs> right it's more likely to get stolen from bank of america yeah, or right. yahoo or something <laughs> um okay so uh what else anything else about camp bacon let's Anything? Anything else you want to mention? I think they hit a dead, a dead pig. So yeah, <laughs> beating so a dead pig. <laughs> Good. Um, and then, so let's talk about the Roadhouse one last time. So, where can people find you at the Roadhouse? What's the web address? Uh, so it's uh, ZingermansRoadhouse dot com. Social media. Zingerman's Roadhouse. Zingerman's Roadhouse. It's it's all there. It's um, all there. And the, the whole community of businesses is great. Um, if you guys haven't been to Zingerman's, go. We slowly awesome. made our way through all the staff of Zingerman's. Right. Yes. We got a couple more to go. Yeah, we have some more more people. To, this mm. is only the second uh, yeah. second guy. We have Kieran. We have, we have a few Corbin. more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people at Zingerman's. What like mail many, order? We could talk mail order. We could. Yeah. yeah. What would you have? What seven hundred? It, it's right around seven hundred. So impressive. Yeah, call in only. Only call in. <laughs> handwritten, <laughs> handwritten credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks uh, for having until me. Until next time, dine well, friends. <laughs>